0: Talks to Humans, a people's podcast about everyday people. On this bonus episode you're going to hear my interview with a former student of mine named Manny. We did this interview back in February when I was still figuring things out with uh, the sound on the podcast. A strange thing happened when we started playing back some of the interview. There were some clicks in the audio and the method that I had to remove the clicks affected the overall audio quality a little bit. In other words, I could have given you an interview full of clicks with very audible vocals, or I could have taken out the annoying clicks and given you, um, I would say, maybe slightly muffled vocals. So the audio isn't 100% great, but I do think Manny has an interesting story coming from a multiracial, multi-religious background and making his way through the world of music production. Manny helped me out a lot when it came to trying to figure out some equipment for the podcasting lab at school that I mentioned way back in the first episode, and some of the equipment that I wound up picking up for myself uh, for doing this podcast. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Manny. Stay tuned after the interview for important information, including how you can help donate to the cause. Brian talks to humans coming at you from BTTHHQ, the tiny apartment with two dogs and a guest. Today's human is Manuel Simone, aka Manifesto. Right on.
1: Which, whichever one.
0: So let's talk about your intro music. You are the first person so far. I mean, there have been a lot of episodes, but you're the first person so far to give me music that you've created yourself. Yeah.
1: I mean, I've been making music since the days of being in your class <laughs> uh, and even before. So, um, yeah, I've been, you know rapping and beat making, but like the kinda the two kinda cross faded into each other as a to use the musical term. And now I'm kinda more focused on just like production and beat making kind of
0: things. Mm-hmm. So. so tell me about Butter. Why'd you choose that one?
1: That one you know, kinda like one of the most recent songs I've made and put out. I just put out like this instrumental E P in um in December, uh right around Christmas. And basically it was like when I released it, I I realized December hit, and I was like, oh, I have a few good beats I made throughout this whole year that it's like it'd be good to just put out before the year ends. And but it was one of those I you know whenever I worked on it, I kind of <laughs> I would enjoy it, you know, make myself dance a little bit. And um, so yeah, I just feel really like liked it, you know, it was a song I liked. It was, it was cool. The 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 process of making it was a lot of fun. I remember hearing like uh, I actually heard the sample for it. On WBGO one night, okay, I was driving around and I I do this sometimes, like especially like with WBGO specifically. I'll drive around uh, late night usually. That's when they play really good stuff, and uh, I shazam what they what, what, what they're playing. The sound, but, like I hear something, and I'm like, oh, that's that's very sample. And that happened for that song, uh, and then I went and researched it on Spotify, found it, uh, downloaded it off off the internet. It's song called uh, a song called uh, it's by Hubert Laws. He plays flute um from like the 70s it's called it it, it happens every day mm. that's the song i sampled and i remember just hearing it on the radio and i was just like this is, like this needs to be sampled immediately yeah so then uh finally i kind of yeah i was like i had like a few good beats sitting around like two that i just like didn't hadn't finished and so kind of i think the end of the year motivated me to like actually put out something <laughs> instead of just working on stuff for nobody to hear so, yeah, and, but it was kind of like, you know, I led the, the album off of that. So I was like, that's a, it's a good one to to throw on. And I remember when I put it out, people messaged me saying a lot of good feedback for that one and the tape in general. When did you get into making music? Before I met you? Yes, definitely before you met me. Um, you know, I started, I wrote my first raps in like fifth grade. So that's kind of where that all came from. But even before then, you know, I was always into writing as a whole. Uh, I wrote some poetry, I just write, whatever. Um, writing for school. Even I kind of get into a lot of projects, and, and I, I I don't remember the year like how old I was. My mom like taught me piano lessons when I was a really little kid. I did all types of all types of musical activities. So I played I played trumpet in high school or in uh, in middle school. Um. Just didn't practice as much as I should have, so mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't last. Long. As a lot, as
0: is true for a lot of people.
1: Well, yeah, the tr- I don't know. I think it's just a, a, a is is an annoying instrument to play. Piano is much simpler to play. I can just kind of go off and do whatever.
0: Do no. you still a fuck with piano or is yeah it, mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: I, I, I have a keyboard at my house, um my apartment that I you know i bust out and just start freestyling anytime And of course, you know, whenever I'm making beats, I kind of incorporate some piano in there. Off that off that instrumental EP, the the last song. The last song—it's a—it's it's like a nine-minute song. It's, it's called "Symphony in D E's Nuts." Is how, <laughs> <laughs> that's the, the the title that hit me. What, what, just just like just when I was making, it, I was like, I can make, I can make a great joke out of this. And um, and for that one, I do like two like piano solos. You know, just like to, you know, to make sym- symphonic sounding kind of thing. So, incorporate it wherever I can.
0: I'm fascinated by the creative process. You know. Mm-hmm. I've picked up several instruments in my life and never stuck with it. I never had the discipline. Yeah. Uh, sort of always had this, you know, aspiration to be a musician, but never had the motivation enough to actually get good. You know. Yeah. So, uh, and I, and you know, I'm not an artist visually or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm kind of fascinated by that process. So, how does a beat or a track start? How does it get made?
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I don't know. Like, for me. For me, learning learning music theory helped a lot with that because that's kind of like the course of how it really happened when talking about me playing piano. You know, I've got piano lessons from my mom as a kid and, you know, I wasn't like, like, I could play some songs. I wasn't like, like one of those child prodigies who you just bust out, like, you know, <laughs> Mozart or whoever just on the piano at any time. I could do that and I never I never got the ability to sight read. That's just something I never got to do. And I think, so that coupled with, you know, being a... a stupid rebellious teenager maybe like maybe stray away from it for a little bit and i didn't play piano for a while or anything like that um then i learned uh, music theory in high school and more so in college and that's what like led me to just be able to write music so if you're talking about like like beat making that's all original music like not samples, because that's a whole different animal mm-hmm. but with that yeah i'll kind of just sit at a piano hash out some chords that i just know just from knowing music theory and see what sounds good and then from there it's kind of like develop a rhythm develop, you know just kind of like try different instruments out and it's really just trial, a trial and error process you kind of just see what sounds good and then hope that something good comes of it and then the sample process the sampling process is like you know that that depends on just how you do it like uh like how i said like hearing a song on wbgo and then you know finding it and taking a clip um the technology helps this audacity is something mm-hmm. that I've used to, to chop up samples before. Um, and you just kind of like, yeah, you can find like a loopable part. There's a lot of stuff I can show you, like within, like I use Pro code Tools to like change the tempo of the the sample to, you know, bend the pitch of it. If, if need be, you can do like a lot of stuff that, um, and again, music theory knowledge helps with that because it's like, Oh, I want this to sound like this. And you know, exactly how many steps of pitch change to give it things like mm. that but even that is trial and error because it's kind of like okay like this is a cool sample but how does it sound when I loop it does it get really annoying after like mm-hmm. 10 seconds and you know and then and then like if I sample something then I'll kind of like have to figure out what key it's in to add a bass line you know because that'll come for me It's not a sample you know things like that so you kind of really just sit down and, I don't know I just kind of like I think of it in my head I'll you know I'll be like oh what like what could sound good with this what kind of a, a rhythm is this you beatbox to a sample or to whatever you make just to get like a good rhythm for it. Yeah.
0: Um, so, what gets you off the couch and in front of the piano? And yeah. it's like, it, tell me about the drive to create. Uh,
1: sometimes it's boredom. I don't know. Like sometimes I get mm-hmm. bored, it's just like sitting around watching TV. I guess. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, like, yeah. I feel like I'm always like that. Like, like even when I'm just like sitting watching TV, I always like to be doing something like with my hands or you know anything like that. You know. Um, like, like yeah, I can't really like, just sit down and like. Especially if I'm with friends, I can't just like sit and like just listen to music and just mm. sit there. It's like let's play some cards, let's do that. Like so, I'm always like trying to like do. I can't literally like, just sit there and like watch something or enjoy. It. I, like it's it's more fun to like do stuff. So I think that goes into that. Just I don't know. It's just personality types. Like because that goes into oh, let's go to the piano and like play like play music with my hands. That's mm. like a thing to do. Mm. Um, I don't know. So it sounds really, like i can really describe it. It's just like just kind of you just kind of feel like doing something or like you hear something and you're
0: like yeah why not so you, when you talk about learning music theory do you is it how were you drawn to that was it mm-hmm. the, just the musicality of your youth and you just it was always around and
1: mm-hmm. um yeah I mean it was around like like I think because I had like the piano lessons and stuff like that I kind of you know it like it, it made sense especially if you if you play if you already play piano or like you're familiar with piano. And how it sounds, then music theory becomes easy. Cause it's definitely, it's like the easiest instrument to learn theory on. Cause it's all just, you know, all the notes are laid out, mm. you know, left to right for you, as opposed to like a trumpet where it's like, you have to do all types of crazy shit with, with three valves and, you know, how, how much you buzz your lips. Um, so that helps. And then it's really, music theory is actually like really mathematical,
2: you mm. know,
1: like you have to think like going from the five to the one and the three to, you know, it's just like all the types of, it's like, a, it's kind of a math equation. And so. I was I was good at math uh, in school. was that helped? <laughs> um, and uh, it just like, yeah, it's that and kind of like a puzzle piece. it's kind of a puzzle as well because you kind of like, yeah, like it like it's it's very pattern based, you know, like writing chord progression and you know it's like like with like with practice, you kind of like develop a sense of like what sounds good at, what chord sounds good after the other. And like what combinations of chords, and what kind of like you know if you add to a seventh and ninth chord, whatever. And so I think figuring that out and just kind of like being, and that's what makes it like a puzzle piece because it's like oh, if I start with the one, and then I go to this chord, and I go to that chord. What what kind of where could where could that lead to? Where that, that sounds pleasant, and what doesn't sound pleasant? Like if you want to mislead somebody, so it's kind of you know is it would, no it, it was just, it's just just like a way of s- storytelling, I guess because mm. it's like. Yeah, like even just like a simple corporation can, like, it, it's supposed to elicit a feeling if you do it right. Right. You know, so it's kind of, like it takes you on like a, a path.
0: Uh, other than writing lyrics and, and, and doing the music, is there any other stuff that you're into as far as hobbies or creativity or anything like that? Well, I create a podcast of my own. <laughs>
1: that's, the, that's, that's, that's the most related. Mm. Um, so I do that. Uh, that's, you know, I guess it's similar to making music and stuff like that. Um, mm at no, least, uh, like audio production wise, and besides, like creatively, uh besides those things, I don't know. Like, <laughs> just, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I just kind of like like to watch movies, and I'm thinking like, about getting into film, at least from a sound perspective, mm-hmm. because of that. But definitely, just like a fan of you know film and TV shows. Like, I know, you, I know you said what well, gets you off the couch. Don't I don't want people to think that I <laughs> don't watch TV because right.
0: I, I definitely watch a lot of TV. <laughs> So I, I met you as a, you were one of my students. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Manny before I met you. Let's see. Is that, it was pre like sophomore year. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Which is weird that it's like 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in, I was in band uh, as a kid or in in middle school. Um, Well, switched the chorus in eighth grade. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of, you know, played for the team for, for a little bit. I, I played a few sports growing up that. I wasn't too good at most of them. Uh like I remember playing some baseball before that T-ball as a, as a real young kid. I uh, played soccer at 6, but only only when I was 6 cuz I was really bad at that. And um and then what else? I had a year that I played for like the the YMCA basketball team. Um and I I, I continued to swim in college and in, in in high school not in college. So I did yeah, although like a lot of different kinds of sports. um And just kind of a, I think it was, a, my, my parents probably described as when I was like a little kid, as like a really pretty, a, a pretty silly, <laughs> a pretty silly kid. I was always kind of making jokes and like mm-hmm. doing a lot of like weird shenanigans. Like I oh, would, you know, they, they said i was, like when I was real little, I would stand up on chairs and like do magic tricks. So that's something, that's, that's something I like to tell. And, um, you know, always, yeah, always into performing in general. In fifth grade, I, I danced to, to Beat It by Michael Jackson for the, the talent show. <laughs> and there are still these VHS tapes in my, my parents' house of that. So. Hopefully, hopefully no videos out on the internet. Right. Well, <laughs> if my mom ever figures out how to convert VHS to, to digital, I don't know. Uh, close with mom or? Yeah. Still? Yeah. Still. What was family like growing up? Uh, it was, uh it was cool. I have a very big family on both sides of the family. Uh, you know, my, my dad's from Haiti, and so they all moved here when, like, I want to say 60s, 70s, 80s, mostly. And then some people were like, more in my generational line um, came as well. But it's like, my dad has four siblings, and each of them had, like, at least three kids, and each of them has <laughs> had at least three. So it's like, so th- these days, on my dad's side, like, uh, like at Christmas, it's just little kids running all around. it's it's pretty ridiculous. Mom is from Wisconsin, uh, with a Jewish background. Also a pretty big family, not as big as my dad's, but yeah, a lot of a lot of big families. Well, um interestingly there's on my mom's side there's actually a lot of adoptees, which is kind of an interesting interesting thing. I guess that's a that's a funny thing up my uh like growing up and before you met me. Uh both my brothers are adopted. Uh, they I gotten the full story now. People say I was a miracle baby or whatever. Like they didn't they didn't think I could happen. Uh like my mom didn't think she could get pregnant. And then I came along late in the game. And um and so growing up I had the idea that every kid was adopted because both my brothers were. And so that was a funny thing when I learned that I was not indeed adopted. Yes, funny stuff like that. Yeah and then yeah so I so like I said I have two older brothers and um I don't know, just got into uh just always always hang out with them two older cousins as well on my on my mom's side like the same age as them so it's kind of like the five of us always just kind of getting into random shenanigans like all boys so it's always a lot of fights <laughs> a lot of a lot of stuff a lot of and just doing a lot of stupid stuff and i don't know, like the uh, it wasn't that i don't I was, I was like know 12 years old when like uh both of us were out of out of the house not well. Yeah, the second brother left. I think just before I got into high school. So by then it was like all me, and then uh, it was a different dynamic then, I guess. And that's when I kind of started doing my own thing, like hanging out with friends, obviously because I was in high school. Um, but yeah, a uh, whole lot of whole lot of time, like uh, meeting up with my extended family, a lot of um, a lot of holiday hangouts, you know, very big Christmas gatherings and whatever other. Um, uh, holiday we could think of or a reason to get together. My family, uh, like we had my my aunt. Uh, she they used to like both moms. They used to live in Piscataway, in Jersey, so it was like a forty-five minute drive from here. So that was very easy to like drive down to. Mm-hmm. So we would have a lot of uh, uh, Sunday dinners over there. Whereas like the whole family.
0: Um, and which side of the family was that?
1: That's my dad's side. Right, right. Um, my mom's side's a bit more scattered. Like there's uh, two of her sisters in um california one in wisconsin um my grandparents would go between florida and uh, massachusetts so kind of all over the place but mm-hmm. it doesn't like I, I saw all those places as kids uh a, a, as a kid so give me a lot of excuses to travel that was fun yeah and then on my dad's side so yeah they they, they everyone kind of lived pretty close in jersey uh, in high, in after high school, those aunts moved to Maryland, uh, where my two, like, where two of my cousins, their sons had already moved. And then since then, it's kind of been like a trickling down <laughs> of everyone moving to Maryland. So that's, that's been happening. Right. Um, we still like, you know, because of tradition, we were, like every Christmas, we go down to Maryland, you know, every Thanksgiving.
0: So, uh. You mentioned Christmas, uh, a couple of times. Uh, I, I know that in the Jewish culture, it's matrilineal. Oh, yeah. You know. Did you get us part of that culture too growing up
1: or Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting. So I say my mom is that's why I say my mom is of a, a Jewish background.
2: <laughs> that's right. to say like it's
1: Jewish. It's, 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 it's yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's how I describe myself. Yeah. Um Jewish. Uh, yeah. It's kinda like basically the extent of our <laughs> our Jewish practices goes to lighting the candles on Hanukkah and that's like about it. And then we kinda just say like hooray and then, you know, eat dinner. <laughs> um that's about all we do. Like, I couldn't recite the prayer to save my life. In fact, I remember there was this ex-girlfriend of mine who was more heavily Jewish, and she started singing the prayer at Hanukkah one year, and my whole family just kind of looked at her.
2: Like, (laughs) with a blank stare. No,
1: none none of that. I've never been to synagogue a day in my life. Mm. And the thing is, my mom also has never been to synagogue Mm. in a day day in her life. Never went to a bat mitzvah or anything like that. Um, And so, yeah, it's kind of like just passed down that way because her mom was like, just kind of not that into it and uh, and her dad's an atheist actually so that's kind of why it was like of jewish background and not really <laughs> not really anything more serious than that which yeah like there are funny traditions like uh, you know like my mom my mom loves christmas as a holiday even th- like despite her, her background just she just likes the traditions and i, I know there's one tra- tradition she picked up from her mom to like Take down like every year. She's on on New Year's Day. She's like, all right, let's take down the the Christmas tree. Um, and I learned that that's because her mom used to have her friends over on New Year's Day, for, like to hang out, and they were all like, all her friends were Jewish, and apparently they would like judge her if they saw that she had a Christmas tree. Oh. that's where. So apparently that's where that tradition came from. <laughs> um, and yes, yeah, for me, I'll, every year uh, I'm always like, mom, we don't have to take down the, the Christmas tree today. It doesn't matter. And that's apparently where that came from
0: so so where did you land with all that as far as religion culture was yeah
1: uh <laughs> i mean i guess still I'm figuring
0: the, that out again i mean I, in the same boat
1: of like you know these traditions are fun but you know i i, I have not gone to like just regular sunday church in a long time the the, the the church the times i've gone to church are like for my cousin's communion and stuff mm-hmm. like that um and unfortunately, funerals weddings but um yeah so I tell people I'm, I'm I live without religion. That's a, that's a good a, a good way to put it, and not even in like a harsh way, you know. I'd say, yeah. I tell people I'm prou- proudly agnostic. It's a good way. to <laughs> good because because you don't know because people don't know everything. Right. That's how to that's how to put it, and only and a wise man knows that he doesn't know everything.
0: Not that you know we we need to be obsessed with labels or anything like that, but would. Would you call yourself multiracial or how do you identify? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah usually, you know, like a job application, I'll i click the two or more racist thing.
1: You know, I, I could just like sometimes I just I'll just like put black or African American. Mm-hmm. Uh but <laughs> sometimes it's like a funny way, like I'll keep the job guessing. Because <laughs> <laughs> the two or more racist thing it's like I feel like a lot of people assume it means black and white, but I'm just like that could be anything. So yeah, I, sure could I, I keep it ambiguous.
0: So what's, what's that like, uh, growing up, you know, cause you hear some folks not to be stereotypical, but you hear some folks say that they felt sometimes they didn't have an identity or did belong to one or the other or anything like that.
1: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting within family life. I mean, it, was, it, it felt like it felt, it kind of felt like two different worlds. Like my mom's side and dad's side hardly ever mixed that much. Um, you know, at times it is not like they didn't like each other, like, um, like my, my another tradition, another Jewish tradition my mom still keeps up is having a Passover Seder. And again, just kind of as a way to bring the family together and hang out. Like we all we all goof around during the <laughs> during the actual ceremony part of it. Um, but my dad's side would somehow come to that just like to be part of it and you know, read the the, 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 the haggadah, <laughs> I think I'm pronouncing it right. The, the 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 sermon part. Um, you know, they read it, take part, drink the wine, eat the eat the food. And I'll have a good time. Um, so yeah, like there was some mixing, but I think also because the two families are like so huge uh, and spread out geographically, it's hard to bring them together. So it's always kind of like a different thing. Like oh, today we're going oh, mom's side, today we're going that side, and kind of feel like like a, like different worlds. And so yeah, coming from that, I mean it was interesting, you know, like going like myself. You know that, that that's my family life. So obviously, obviously that, I was into that, and everyone accepted me as, as as me, and they all knew, you know, they they, they, they knew where I was coming from going to, like, school and, like, meeting kids who, like, didn't know my family life. Like, I was obviously a little different. Like, yeah, there were some kids who, like, would try to, yeah, like, say my race for me or something like that. That was an interesting experience. Like, saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm black. And they're like, no, you're not. like I'm this. And they're like, no, you're not. And so it's was always kind of, yeah, I always feel like there was someone telling me <laughs> what I'm not rather than what I am. And, like, so that was, yeah, so that, that, that was interesting to deal with as, like, a young, a young kid. But eventually I kind of just said, like,
2: um, and uh,
1: yeah, and so now I don't know. Like yeah, like if I see like a like a, a, a Jewish person, I'll kind of like I'll myself identify a little bit. You know, it's actually interesting? That now I'm in Crime Heights, which is it's basically where I am. I'm kind of in the Caribbean part of it, uh, and then you walk a couple blocks down past Eastern Parkway, and it's like it feels like Israel. It's like straight up like Jewish land. Like it's Hebrew on all the buildings and stuff like that. Um and so it's an interesting <laughs> it's an interesting place to be in because it's like I'll see both and I'll be like, hey, it's both both sides of me. But um yeah, so yeah, it's an interesting thing, you know, and yeah, people people sometimes like to talk like to yeah, still like to do the whole like labeling for you type thing. Mm-hmm. But
0: do they like to ask like, what are you?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. Or like well it, it's interesting now too, because I'm dating a girl who is uh Nigerian and Jamaican. Mm-hmm. and so her like her grandma would be like oh, oh he's white right and it's like you know <laughs> and but then like like the last girl did it was 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 jewish and her family saw it completely differently like, sure like i remember them making some kind of this was just like a stupid joke about black people or something like that not even about black people like involved and they felt the need to like come and apologize to me <laughs> and i was like stop um so it's very like completely different like' it's it's, it's, it's kind of like different everywhere you go but you seem to be at ease with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been dealing with my whole life. So yeah. now I'm 25 and I'm like, yeah, fuck. <laughs> right. so I kind of just go about it. And, you know, that's why I tell people, you yeah, know, like on job apps, two or more races, you know, it's like, yeah, I'll just say that.
0: Like, it is what it is. So by the time I met you, you were already rapping. Yep. Yeah. If I recall correctly, I believe there was a song called girls yeah <laughs> well it's called the girlies oh the girlies yes. that's right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, when did you fall in love with hip-hop
1: oh man um for i can't like i don't know if there's an exact date um well i guess <clears throat> I, I think a big thing that got me because like i remember growing up i listened to a lot of like like uh like rap in the 2000s i was kind of dumb it was like just like party music that my uh, yeah, let's rephrase not dumb it was just music. it's not hate but my brothers would throw it on um you know and i'll kind of just like have a good time i think the the first album that i really like listened to uh especially from a production standpoint um was the college dropout that's um, kanye right yeah uh the, the old kanye and uh <laughs> um that was kind of like really the 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 one that where i said well like this is you know this is something serious and so I think that was that was a, a big moment because uh, that's that I think when that album dropped it was around the time that I did start writing raps. So you could say that one influenced the other. Um, but like I said, like even before then, like, I was always into just writing in general. Yeah, I was going to ask, poetry first or yeah? Well, I don't know. Like I, I remember just I remember like being like first grade and uh, I kind of wrote as a school project for fun. Maybe I'd use it for extra credit. Some little essay about. Dr. King, just just because. <laughs> like, I think it was around Black History Month, and I just kind of, like, wrote this little thing uh, just for fun. So, like, I would do that stuff um, just for myself. And then, eventually, it just kind of, like, started, I think, because I was listening to more rap music, especially when I was getting into things like the college hat, I would go back and I uh, listen to older stuff, like, from before I was born or, you know, before I was too old to, to remember, you know, some, some biggies, some, some Nas I get into. Yeah, just all around that time, I was I was doing that, listening, and then like just jotting down my own stuff and trying to apply it. You know, I, I have somewhere somewhere buried away at my parents' house is a song about like recess <laughs> that I wrote in fifth grade. So
0: I was going to ask like around when. So this is fifth grade. You start the the lyrics part exactly. Okay. Yeah, like I had like I
1: wrote like entire songs that were like about stuff like recess, mm-hmm. and and I thought it was like the hardest shit I've ever written, <laughs> and so that was funny. And uh, yeah, and then it just kind of like it grew from there. In middle school, I kept you know doing stuff like that, uh, you know, writing some stupid stuff that I would play for friends, or just just rap for for friends in the park or whatever. Um, high school, I, I started actually like recording, um, you know, uh, like I remember like the first time I recorded a song on um like a garage band. Um, in fact, oh yeah, I think that first one, <laughs> the first one is actually a song. The first song I ever recorded was a song about global warming. Oh. Yeah, it was an interesting thing. It was like, uh, we're at, I don't know if I can name drop people from high school on Uh, this podcast. um,
0: Let's just say a friend.
1: Let's just say a friend. All right. So there was one classmate who had some kind of fundraising concert at our house, uh, freshman year of high school, about global warming, and um, we... And I remember I, I went there and me and this other rapper friend uh we had this other rapper friend who you also had in your class, uh,
2: that you talking
1: about. Oh sure, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we both performed this song and then one thing led to another and someone's like, You guys gotta record that and like someone someone promised the world like, Oh, I can get this song to Lil Wayne, you know, <laughs> something like that. There's something about like, Oh, we can get it to New Orleans, whatever, whatever. Um, it was like a year after Katrina and uh some, New Orleans popped up in there somehow and then we recorded it. It's called "Global Warning" mm. with an "n," and uh, I just recorded that on GarageBand. It's somewhere buried away. In, I was going to ask if vaults. you still have it around. It's. I feel like it's somewhere on my iTunes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but yeah. And then from there, like the very like the next summer, I released the, my first mixtape, passed it out on CDs. And each year from that, I was dropping, what was the name of the first mixtape? The Next Generation. Oh, okay. The, the mixtape. Really? Yeah, that's the like semicolon the mixtape. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that, that only exists in CD form, too. It's not even, like, on the internet. So, yeah, from there, I did that. I was, uh, originally, the name was Triple Threat. That was Good Days, The, the only only select, you know. And then, a couple years later, I changed it to Minifesto. How'd then you come up with good, that? Uh, Other than
0: the fact that your name's Manny, how'd right. you come up with that?
1: Well, actually, so I wanted I was thinking about have, trying to have a name that uh, had Manny in it. Mm-hmm. Or in general, I was kind of like looking for a new name, like, like Triple Threat You know, it was getting a little confusing. People ask me, What are the frets? Or like, I heard of other rappers named Triple Thread. It was like getting annoying. So I remember this one summer, I think it was between sophomore and junior year. I was lifeguarding that summer. And while I was on the stand, I was not paying attention to the pool. And I was thinking of rap names in my head. And I remember I would go, like, on my breaks and text friends, like, What do you guys think of this name? What do you think of this name? And eventually I actually looked through the dictionary at uh, words that begin with man. Cause I was like, let me incorporate my name. And I saw the word manifesto, and I was like, that's it. <laughs> so, good thing I had a dictionary on hand, especially a, a physical one, you know, not just the
0: internet one. I was there was a small part of me that was hoping it had something to do with reading the communist manifesto, yeah. but you know, yeah, almost. I, <laughs> I'm
1: not, I unfortunately
0: did not read that at 15 years old. <laughs> Um, that's only because I was teaching you U.S. history, right? Yeah. We would we would have read it if we were if we were doing something else. Yeah, only, um, only if only if the the school allowed it, right? Uh, no, they you know, mm-hmm. they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's an important primary source for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so Northeastern College, yeah, what's that like? Interesting.
1: Uh, Northeastern is, is, is a very good school actually, and I and when I got there, I remember I remember like it felt like the year after I got there, it can't like be more of exclusive like in terms of who they let in and stuff like that. It was getting popular. Um, they were, like, I think one of the first schools to really introduce, like, the co-op program. That was, like, their very... Really, Which is... The main thing. It's basically a program where they tell you, like, I, I graduated in five years instead of four because they tell you, you know, every... At, once you reach, like, your sophomore or third year, midler years, they call it this out of five, um, they tell you to go take six months off from school and work a job basically it's like you know it's an extended internship program and uh they help you find a job they have like a whole network and uh and what's called a database of companies that they're connected with and they help you find a co-op through that they do the best to get you paid (laughs) it doesn't always work especially in music the field that i studied um but yeah you go do that and you just like yeah it's like straight up like you're not paying tuition while you do that you take a whole a semester and like a half of a summer semester off and uh, yeah, six months you go and just work um, to get experience, try to get money if you can, um, and all that good stuff. So I think that like, you know, I remember going to all the tours and then when I was there seeing the tours they were doing, every <laughs> every like three minutes they mentioned the co-op program because they, that's like their, their big selling point. So uh, that made the school actually like really attractive because I got to do a few really cool things through that, um, including uh, the first one I did was at a radio promotions company in Brooklyn. Second one was at the school's uh, audio and video studio, uh, like on on campus, and the third one I did at uh, Def Jam, Def Jam Recordings, like the one in New York. And so yeah, so I got to have a lot of a lot of cool experiences. Boston is a whole different world. Um, in fact, I remember like the summer before I went there, I had one friend who uh, also went there, and he's like really into hockey. And he told me, like, are you ready to go to hockey? Games? I was like, are they? I didn't even know. I was like, are you into hockey there? I was like, yes, they love hockey so that was That was an interesting thing to, to see. Yeah, I never really got into hockey itself. But but Boston was a cool town besides the hockey playing. Uh, just because there's so many college students, you know, everywhere. Everywhere you go, like, like you go to a party and everyone, the first question is, what school do you go to? And you can get a million different answers. So that was great just because there's so many people your age and all doing different stuff, you know, and different college down the block from um as a city it, it my, and Northeastern itself has it's right in the middle of the city but it has like its own campus so it's kind of a best of both worlds thing um and yeah they had really good facilities and all that stuff like the recording studio that I worked in on on campus they actually had two that I, I could go to um they both really you know had good uh, equipment and a really good, good space to hang out and I'd be there all night sometimes so yeah, I definitely got a lot out of it. Um, a big school, <laughs> you know. I, I didn't know everyone, or just like there were a lot of people to know. In fact, oh yeah, I mean, just now I went to go get a bagel, a hot bagels, and there was somebody who said like, "Hey, do I know you from somewhere?" We eventually got to like, "You went to Northeastern," yeah. So like, there, there's people everywhere. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, just had a really good time. And uh, but by the end of it, I, you know, I stayed in Boston a year after I graduated, and by then it was like six years in Boston. I was kind of like.
0: I'm a, little, a little ready to to, <laughs> yeah. to, to do it. Sure. Uh, so, did you? Uh, what was the major? Was it? Is it music something or other? Or? Yeah, it's called it's called music industry. Okay. So it's kind of yeah.
1: It's a, that that's also a good thing. The the, the program itself covered a lot of bases within the whole music industry. They they had you study some business classes. They had you study theory. They had you study like you could study recording, which I did. Uh, I yeah, you know, I minored in that, and um, you know. Is really like all over the board. I took an office management class. They kind of had classes on anything related to music, the music business.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how'd the uh, how the music career go? Not the studying the music yeah. and recording like for classes and stuff. How how did Manifesto go while yeah. you were in Northeastern? Oh, like oh, like like my making. Yeah, making yeah. Music? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I really expanded. That's really where I did. I started doing more production. I think because I was able to get into like studios. You know, before then I was kind of just like on my computer figuring it out and I listened to the mixes from back then and they sound terrible and then, and then yeah when I when I when I got into like the recording classes and I learned like ways to mix better and like how to you know my way around the studio what all the different knobs did that's when I got more into production and so I remember yeah I dropped like uh, this album when I got there that I' had been working on like throughout like senior year of high school but I finished it there. And then, and then like that year, that was my freshman year, I started working on this next album that took like two years to make, but eventually it, it came out and I, I did like all the production for it, you know, I did like wrote all the lyrics, obviously, and all that stuff. And it was kind of like, that was the first one where I really, I did a lot of sampling on that as well. And that's where I really got into the the production aspect, you know, didn't really, I was kind of like, let me stop, <laughs> let me stop trying to work with, uh, like, like try to, try to get beats from other people. I was like, let me just make. 'Cause I had a lot of ideas on my head, I realized. So I was like, let me figure out how to how to make that myself instead of, you know, asking somebody else, like, hey, he, can you make a beat that kinda sound like this, but like has this element? Like, let, let me figure out how to make it. So I did that and then um and plus I met a lot of people. Like the the kinda I put that album out my my third year. And then my last year I actually put out a different a new album called Skeletons, where I, I basically talked to friends that I had made Throughout the, the entire time I was there in college, a lot of them were from Northeastern. All of them who just like played different instruments, uh, who were like in the program with me. And I, you know, basically I wrote a bunch of music and I just had like different people play on it. Uh, and I kind of just like threw it all together. Um, now I because we were like, I tracked like a, a bassist at a different time. And then I bring in a, a friend of mine who played drums and say, hey, can you play with us? And eventually you just kind of like threw it all together, you know. Like mashup style, and I would tell each of them like, "Oh, like, like, play what I wrote, but add a little bit of your own flavor to it." And eventually, it just kind of came out to be a like, "Oh, it was an all real like live instruments." I used like MIDI and like a little bit of sampling in the whole album, but a lot of it was like live instruments. And I was just kind of like, "Is a is a big thing." That's where I was like, "I wrote I wrote a whole album and kind of like did all the production for it." So that was that was kind of a a big moment where I said like, "Wow, I really want to really want to do this." So. Definitely expanded uh, into more uh, production type elements um, throughout all of college, and by the end of it, yeah, I was able to do stuff like that um, with all live instruments and in like a real, a real studio. Mm. And then fast forward, I'm putting out this instrumental EP, <laughs> right now, <on. laughs> because I got more into the, the production aspect.
0: So Manny, now 25, 20, 25 going on 26. <laughs> crown heights and tell me about your your creative outlets today other than the ep you just put out
1: um yeah i mean so i started my own podcast as well what's Uh, that called the poet's lounge Mm -hmm. with manifesto uh that's also an idea and that one i started uh in 2017 um actually started the recording process just before i just before i left boston because i remember just like thinking about doing it but I was like, I do want to try to get like a legit job in New York, so I started to like go and, and leave Boston. Um, but I basically talked to like every like anyone that I could, uh, like 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 who I knew in the Boston area who like wrote music, who did anything like that. And I, uh, basically, I, I would bring them in. That 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 uh, podcast is about uh, like lyric writing and music making and stuff like that, like the process behind it. Um, and yeah, I kind of I, I did like ten. I've recorded like ten episodes before I left Boston, and so that was really fun. Yeah, um, and then I kind of just continued that when I got to New York. I met new people, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I've been doing it ever since
0: then. And you said uh, I when we talked before, you said, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. There's sort of a a steady like company that you work for, but you also do some freelance production, or no? Right. Well, so the company is. Like I do
1: freelance work for them, kind of a thing. Okay, it's like I got hired as like a, a freelancer that they can they can hire out. They but they they're they're a production company. Um, they their bread and butter is doing audio system installation for like off Broadway shows and corporate productions. Um, so I help out with that, but also they do podcast recording things like that. Um, and so I've done yeah anything with that, and then they get you know some of the like put on film productions and I'll help out with that as well.
0: Okay, so I have a very important question for you. Mm-hmm what what the hell is going on with contemporary rap <laughs> why why is it that after i don't know maybe two thousand twelve mm-hmm. with a few exceptions everything sounds the same to me and it sounds bad yeah I mean, am because uh, am i just getting old
1: <laughs> no i mean we're we're all getting old um uh, it's it's interesting i mean rap goes in, in cycles a lot of this this is the thing i i will i'm on your side but I'm not like it's mm-hmm, like sure. I, I know that uh, like I know that there's a lot of bad shit like uh like but I, it's it's hard to like some things I feel like get lumped in with like the really bad stuff like uh like like the like the the nene and all that kind of stuff like that like that, there's this stuff that's kind of like fun to dance to and it's like for kids and that's why it's made and I like I I try to think of it as like that's its own entity mm-hmm. you know the 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 dance and the whatever other dance song that you can think of that's I feel like that's kind of made for kids to, to get up and dance and you know, just everyone it's just like made for fun I didn't even consider that like like the the mainstream hip hop because there's other stuff that it has similar production techniques but I feel like it gets lumped in with that you know like uh, like like uh, like I love Migos I actually love Migos Migos is great I listen to them all the time but they have some production techniques that like a lot of the other guys that are coming out that a lot of people are like, this shit sounds terrible. And I've thought about it. You know, everyone says, like, why is it that, you know, every all the drum tracks, like, sound, like, are just, like, a lot of hi-hats with, like, hi-hat rolls and all that stuff like that. All the, you know, they're all rapping the same. It That is the case. But if you look at it, like, 90s rap was a lot of, same like, similar drum patterns as well. You know, it's, kind of, it's just a different kind of drum pattern. So part of it, I think, is just, like, hip-hop goes in cycles, hip-hop goes in waves and unfortunately yeah a lot of it is made for like the youngest people which is neither you nor I um, <laughs> you know not 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 is not even a diss it's just it's just the fact um you know cuz even for me like there's people who are like 7 to 10 years younger than me who are like you don't know about this or that could that could easily happen um so it's yeah a lot of it is for like younger people but i i don't know i mean part of it i like i've i Obviously, I I was a little uh, resistant to the change at first. Um, you know, saying, like, what is this? Like, it's not really not talking about anything new. And then I think also, you know, personally for me, as I got more into production, I was hearing what they were doing in the production more. And that is one thing I think, like, hip hop production has grown to be like, you know, it, you can really do anything now. Even like, it keeps a lot of the same backbone in terms of like drum patterns and stuff like that. But, in terms of everything else, like you, you hear hip hop tracks that do like the most experimental stuff you've ever heard. And I've gotten more into that just because I'm hearing it more. And unfortunately, yeah, the lyricism is not where it used to be. But I don't know. Part of it is also I try to keep an open mind. Like, you know, a lot of like like when Nas said hip hop is dead, a lot of people said like no, it's really just moved to the south. Like people talk mumble rap, I don't but like...
0: Okay, so I've heard likes, of mumble rap. What the fuck is mumble rap? <laughs> that's like, it's you've
1: you, you definitely heard it itself. Uh, I think you could put Migos a little bit in that category, like Future, Like guys who rap like... Mm-hmm, mumbly, mumbly, hey, mumbly, mumbly, oh yeah, I hey. hate that shit. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. So like, like they're not... I don't know, a lot of people make the, the argument that like, no, that's just like they're from Atlanta or whatever, and that's kind of just how they talk down there. It's like a different accent. And that's part of it part of it is like the rapper not uh, not putting in much effort <laughs> you know that's why I, it's it's tough to for me to really like put a like just put one definitive stance on it because it's just you know like it could be whatever and 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 then for me like it depends on the date you know I will put on sometimes I just want I just want to listen to some ignorant stuff because <laughs> you're in that mood and so I was throw on something you know, a little older. Um, so
0: uh, besides Migos, what are, what are some other stuff you're listening to? Like, like from from
1: Present Day. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um you know
1: definitely listen to I think I think who
0: you think the exceptions are like
1: Kendrick Lamar and J Cole. I mm-hmm. uh, love those guys. Um love Chance the Rapper,
0: uh Childish Gambino's great. Those are like the four exceptions that exactly. I always talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's why I figured I was like let's let's get those out of the way. Like yeah, yes,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm all for those. Um and some other people that i i actually like you know like maybe not consider maybe maybe not be considered like the the exceptions like the the, the, the stuff that's still good who else is out here i kind of i love I, you know, I love young thug <laughs> people love you when i i, fucking, like, I started getting to him in recent years and I was like this is actually so why is that funny why'd you thing? chuckle just well, do you listen to Young Thug?
0: I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you don't know who that is? <laughs> I don't know who that is.
1: Young Young Doug has like I recommend you listen to him. He has a lot of silly sounding stuff. Like I don't like his lyrics are very and like his way of talking. A lot of people uh say he sounds like like Doodle Bob on SpongeBob. I didn't watch Spongebob, but right. I'll take okay. your word for it. You're right. Well people hopefully you're listening to Doodle Bob is the silly sounding version of Spongebob and so, a lot of people say he sounds like him rapping. So <laughs> He has, yeah, he has a very wacky flow, but, and that's, I think at first when I heard, I was like, what is this? But it, that's kind of, I think that's kind of the theme of like this decade of hip hop is like the, at your first listen, you're going to say, what the fuck is this? But if you give it a second lesson and you'll keep it open mind, you might be like, wow, like this is actually, kind of
0: crazy. So maybe my mind's just not I mean, open, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's
1: that, and again, I still know that Young Thug is probably not saying anything that prolific. He just says stuff that's kind of out of left field. And you're like, is that prolific? And it's a sense of mystery, but then also mostly it's still like his production is crazy and it gets people moving.
0: So as far as other cultural stuff, tell me about any recent um, or not so recent books or movies or mm-hmm. shows or anything like that that really speak to you.
1: Uh well let's see. I actually I just finished The Hate You Give, uh, talking about books, and that is a fantastic uh book. I'm waiting for it to become available for free on some streaming platform so I can watch the movie. Mm-hmm. Um right now it's like on Amazon
2: Prime it's like six dollars. I'm like, fuck you. $6. <laughs> you're a
1: struggling musician. You, yeah, you're <laughs> gonna charge me six bucks. It's probably gonna be out somewhere soon. Um so I wanna watch that movie. And then and now the, the author that Angie Thomas she actually just released a new book called On the Come Up.
0: Someone was telling me about that the other day. Yeah,
1: it's really good. Cool. I, I just started reading it. Um, it's about the business, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's about a young sixteen year old uh, rapper who she comes from. It's interesting. In in both books, the neighborhood is called Garden Heights, which I don't think is a real place, and I think it's supposed to be like ambiguous because I remember in The Hate You Give, like there's a bit of connection. Like they talk about like in the in this book On the Come Up, they would say like. Last year in Garden Heights, this happened to some boy, and he's, like mentioning what happened in the Hate You Give. Mm. So it was pretty cool that way. But I'm, because at first I was like, oh, like in the Hate You Give, I was like, it's never cold in this whole book. So this must be in like California. And then uh, in this, um, on the come up, it's like, she's, she's like, Gar- it's really cold in Garden Heights right now. I'm like, okay, like, so where is this? And they, I think it's supposed to be like an ambiguous place. Mm. That's a cool aspect of the, of the book, because it's kind of, especially with the Hate You Give, I think it's saying this subject matter could happen anywhere. Right. So that's been a that, that that was a fantastic book. I read the shit out of that. I uh, I read I, I think I read a few tanahasi Coates books in the past few years, and obviously his newest one, we "We're Eight Years in Power," read that last spring sometime. Um, that was great. I hadn't I hadn't really read his Atlantic articles because mm. it was basically a compilation of all his at, uh, Atlantic articles from each year of the Obama years, and that was great what else have I read recently uh, uh I got into a, a few James Baldwin books the past couple of years in fact like when I saw if Beale Street could talk was a movie um I was really excited because I just I like had read that like a year before it came out and the movie was great as well I don't know
0: if you've seen it I haven't it's on my list yeah. I was actually supposed to go and then I got sick and well mm-hmm. who cares but yeah. <laughs> yeah I need to go see it yeah that was great
1: um especially all the, the visual aspects were great like all the coloring was beautiful and I don't know um a lot of it is just is really a really great story and I think I think I gotten more from the story in the movie actually than I did in the book and that could also just be because of uh, the mind state I was in when I was reading the book I don't know I was mm. gonna, uh, maybe I wasn't paying as much attention but yeah I mean those are the top ones that come to my mind uh, right now just you know that's kind of like where I'm at um, in terms of like like what I'm reading and movies I've seen that really resonated uh, that's there's a few of these. You know, it's about to be the Oscars tomorrow. There's a few of those movies I still want to go see, but uh, *Beale Street* hit with me. I really hope *Black been wins for Best Picture. Um, you know, a <laughs> Spike Lee's been waiting for like for like 30 years, so I'm excited for that because that was a really great movie. I remember you know being in the theater for that, kind of, kind of I, I, everyone was kind of kind of yelling at the screen.
0: <laughs> Have you read Boots Riley's. Riley's critique of it? No, I haven't. Yeah. So basically, it's like. First of all, it's kind of complicated to have where mm. the, a cop is a hero, you know what I mean? That's true. And then on the other hand, too, like, they made it look like he only infiltrated that black power group, mm. you know, like, a little bit, like, one night, you yeah. know? He 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 did that to them for three years. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and so, um, some people were getting on Spike for, like, yeah. heroizing, you know, uh, if that's even a fucking word, you know, uh... Basically, the institution that that is there to you know, mm-hmm. you know uh, confront black people in a very problematic way,
1: right? You know? well, it's interesting. I mean, maybe he was maybe he wanted to point that, like, because it's a true story that, like, you know, this guy used that uh, that office of power that has discriminated against black folks mm-hmm. to help them. So I maybe mean, maybe him himself looked like more of a hero because of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: It was cool to see Harry Belafonte in the movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, which which role was he in again? Okay. So he was the, the um, when there was like a black student meeting uh-huh. at a house, Yeah, he was the really old dude.
1: Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that was him. Oh, He's yeah. in like
0: his early 90s and he had stopped yeah. making public appearances and, like, and he yeah. pops up in the film, yeah. Right.
1: Oh, that, and it was very funny to see Topher Grace as David Duke. I mean, yes, yeah, was, it was, yeah. Because he has the same mannerisms of Eric Foreman. Yes. <laughs> from, from that yeah. show. Was like, but he was just racist. Right. Um, yeah, that, so, great movie, great movie. Time for plugs. Oh, here we go. Where can we find your music? Uh, you can find it. I'm on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Uh, Bandcamp's great because you can buy it as <laughs> <laughs> opposed to saying right now. So yeah, it's Manny-Festo.bandcamp.com or SoundCloud.com.
0: And that's M-A-N-N-I. That's right. Um, and
1: the dash is there because if you spell it out, there is a space in between both. It's not one word. SoundCloud is is uh, is, is SoundCloud.com/slash Manny. Uh, slash manifesto as well. Yeah, that and uh, Post Lounge, you can find it at uh, Poets Lounge com. You know, the social media for it is at Poets Lounge Pod. My personal Instagram is Manny.Festo because I looked him up as some guy from Australia. I follow him too, so he knows I exist. So t- tell him I need that. Um, but yeah, all that good stuff and uh, just holler at me. <laughs> Especially if you want to be on my podcast, because I always need guests.
0: Right on. So tell me about the outro music. Uh, that stuff?
1: Yeah. Um, so that was another one uh, where I heard a sample on WBGO late night. Uh, I think both of those songs actually that I heard were th- within a couple of weeks of each other <laughs> on WBGO. It's the same thing. Shazammed it. Looked it up. Uh, it's by a band called Stuff that came out in the 70s. Um, song is called And Here You Are. And basically, yeah, again, I just heard it and I was like, that. Sounds amazing. So I took it back to the lab and just uh chopped it up. Um added a lot of cool things to it. I uh, had a lot of fun with that. I remember thinking of the baseline and I like like the baseline for it is kinda of very it thumps a lot. It's supposed to hit you right in the chest. And really just I remember playing that and just thinking like this is not a shit. Uh and that and that was another one that was like I had it just kinda of laying around. I was like, I should release these. And so I finally, you know, said, Let me put out something.
0: Yeah. What's the name of the EP again? Uh, The Outer Space Tape. All right, Manny, this has been uh, a pleasure. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, sir. I think he's packed in a lot in the short life that he's had so far. I think he's an interesting cat. You should uh, definitely check out his music. And it was kind of cool to have an interview with a former student. I'm going to be doing some more of those probably once the summer comes around. Go to briantalksathumans.net. Click on contact where you can find my email and social media, as well as the all-important button to donate to the cause through Patreon to help me offset some of the costs of the equipment and the hosting fees. Thanks for listening.
2: is not fair See yeah. am